you know, he said, oh, hey, everybody, Aristotle was wrong on this one. It's actually, the world is made up of atoms after all. Oh, wow, said all the intellectual peasants. We knew that all along, you know. <laughs> no, you didn't. You've been saying earth, wind and fire all this time, you know, and water. Um, yeah. And we all say, oh, of course, you know, obviously it's atoms, you know. I, you know, if, if the whole world was saying earth, wind and fire and water, I would have said atoms, you know, because um, I've been having deep reflections. Ignoring for a moment the fact that some people in history have died, quite a lot actually, and uh, some, or some people in history are still alive, eh, quite a lot again. Um, yeah, let's, let's just imagine they're all in the present tense. Forget time for a minute. Uh, there exists in the universe, um, because time is just a property, so you know, I can ignore that property for a moment. Uh, a property of the universe. Uh, there exists in the universe, I think, a community of elite thinkers, super elite thinkers, the best of the best. I got interrupted there, right in the middle of a good thought. I got interrupted by the Essendon Football Club. They're ringing us to our to renew our memberships. Um, and they might ring again in a second and interrupt me again. Um, right now, uh, George is... Uh, George is, um, uh, he takes care of all of that on behalf of us all, which is absolutely fantastic, unbelievable. As my mum says, uh, George is one out of a box uh, on all sorts of fronts. Um, anyway, um, she's aware. Okay, uh, yes, so, as I was saying, I think... There is a community of elite thinkers, the sorts of thinkers that move our thinking forward and without whom um, we wouldn't even have most of the thoughts that we have, the most of the opinions that we have that to us feel self-evident, uh, feel like our own thoughts. Um, most of us, I'm me included, we go around and saying, ah, this is obvious, that's obvious, you know, human rights, that's obvious, you know, slavery bad, you know, that's obvious. Uh, um, um, gender equality, you know, that's, that's a good thing, you know, it's obvious to me, I, I would have thought that in any age, um, and so on and so forth, you know. Uh, women's, women's equality, feminism, you know, women's equality, uh, obviously, you know, you'd say, obviously, anyone who doesn't think that's an idiot, you know. Um, and we tend to think that all of us, we, you know, we tend to think, well, I do anyway, maybe not you, maybe you're more humble than me, but I tend to think that even if I lived a thousand years ago, I would still have those thoughts, they'd be just self-evident, because, you know, there's something wrong with you, with you, if you don't hold those opinions, you know. But as far as I, but as far as I know, if I had lived, you know, a thousand years ago or two thousand years ago or make it two thousand five hundred years ago, 
I probably would have next to none of my current opinions that seem to me self-evident and that seem to me to have been things that I've come up with, you know, through through uh, careful reflection in life. You know, I'm pretty sure, actually, in the 21st century, I got these ideas from this community of elite thinkers, and I'm not even aware that I got my ideas from them. You know, I think that what I think is what I think because I think what I think. But, um, quite likely, I think what I think because they um, have invited me to think like that and I have, um, have not come up with anything better or different. You know, they've won me over and I didn't even know they won me over. Now, coming up in a, a minute or two, uh, I, for fun, give an analysis sorry, a review of the movie Frozen 2, you know, which explored, among other interalia, you know, among other things, um, two competing worldviews, you know, from the community of elite thinkers, one being um, the earth, air, earth, wind and fire, and water idea um, of uh, that I think was Aristotle's, but you know, quite likely others came up with that too. Um, and uh, an idea that predated Aristotle, which you know, an idea that was kiboshed by Aristotle, um, an idea by Democritus, you know, I think he was a hundred years before Aristotle, um, Democritus, who you know, proposed the idea that, you know, everything in the universe is made of atoms and things just take on different forms, you know, like earth, wind and fire and water, uh, simply be due to um, the arrangements of the atoms somehow, which turns out to be correct, you know, pretty much correct. You know, we haven't come up with anything better. Okay, yeah, and it turns out that um, everything in the universe um, cannot be explained as being different combinations of earth, wind, fire, and water, or whatever it was that Aristotle came up with, you know, and uh, which um, the movie Frozen 2 uh, puts forward as being a pretty good idea as to uh, the right way to look at the universe, you know. So to some extent, um, Frozen 2 was... Uh, has gone with an Aristotelian worldview uh, as being a, a good worldview, and the um, the other worldview, you know, the um, the idea that everything in the world is made of atoms, and you know, you know, given that, you know, given that that worldview once it took off, ended up giving us world technology and all that sort of thing. It was part of the modern scientific push um, and uh, Frozen 2 seems to um, think that um, that was an unwise thing okay that's alright fair opinion whatever you know, fair call <laughs> um, you know, we do have climate change problems I'm driving through Geelong at the moment and it is 
smoky uh, because we've had huge bushfires in Australia in 2020. 2019, end of 2019 going into 2020. Um, we've just had change, a change in weather conditions and um, I think that the bushfires are under control now. Um, the emergency has eased. Uh, actually, the smoke I'm driving through right now, it's really smoky. Cough, cough. Um, it's thicker than it's been right throughout the um, bushfire emergency. Uh, and that could be for all sorts of reasons. Maybe the wind has blown the fire, the smoke this way, you know. Because I'm nowhere near where the fires were. They were over in Gippsland. Um, but, you know, it's coming through Geelong right now. I can't see more than one kilometre. And even something, well, 200 metres in front of me is pretty smoky. Okay. Um, actually, the sort of smoke this looks like is, you know, when you've got a nice fire going, you know, which we've had going in Australia, in most states, um, Queensland, Victoria, and New South Wales, and South Australia and Western Australia, I think. Um, you know how when you've got a good fire going, in you know, a campfire going, and then you start pouring water on it or whatever, and it goes really smoky, you know, with um, gum trees? When you've got leaves on the fire, um, and then it goes hugely smoky. It's almost, this smoke that I'm driving through right now seems to be that sort of smoke. Yeah. It may not be because of that, but it's got that look about it, you know, and I'm, I'm wondering to myself, we had a little bit of rain, Paul, and is that, you know, is the whole of Gippsland, well, half of Gippsland, um, essentially a great big campfire, and God has just dropped some water on it to put it out, um, and, and then we've got the, sm you know, that real smokiness you get off gum trees, of the leaves mainly, um, and that seems to be this sort of smoke. You know. um, but anyway, um, yeah, so I talk about Frozen 2 in a minute, and uh, and I, 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 put, I put my chortling hat on. I have a giggle at Aristotle as part of that. Now, Aristotle, yeah, because he came up with earth, wind, fire, and air, and water, you know, as an idea. You know, and everything in the universe is a combination of those four things somehow. You know, that was his theory. He didn't have much to go on with. And neither did Democritus before him, who came up with the idea of the atom. He didn't have much to go on with either. These guys are elite thinkers. They're geniuses who, with not much to go on, um, came up with ideas. And scientists have been doing that all through history. The ones who are celebrated are the ones who hit on the right ideas. But to some extent, some many, many of the people in the elite community who even came up with wrong ideas were equally, you know, were of equal genius, but they just didn't hit the right idea, you know. Um, I wouldn't say that Democritus is necessarily smarter than Aristotle for having come up with the right idea. Um, in fact, <laughs> this is a... An exception to the rule, really, because Aristotle is more famous than Democritus, I believe, or, you know. Um, Aristotle is a super famous scientist, even though he got that wrong. If he was in the Facebook era, in the modern era, people would point to the fact that he proposed earth, wind, and fire, and water, 
as um, being basic building blocks for everything in the universe and would have gone, ha ha, we found one thing you got wrong, <laughs> therefore we discount everything you say, you know. That's the way the world um, thinks these days a lot, you know. Um, I was speaking to someone. Interrupted again, but in the best possible way, you know, by my mother. Um, she's over in Sorrento on her back veranda looking out, and uh, she said it's pea soup uh, with the smoke over there, too. So there's smoke everywhere. Uh, uh, we're staying in Queenscliff, uh, which is very close to Sorrento, but across the water. Um, so smoky all around. And we had a chat about, you know, is it because some water was um, splashed on the bushfires, you know, by way of rain, um, and, and and that has caused all this thick, thick smoke. And, you know, I sort of think, yes, at a guess, but I don't know. Right. Um, so um, Aristotle, Democritus, these sorts of people are. Uh, members of an elite community of thinkers that push our thinking forward in the universe. Uh, you know, over time, but, you know, I'm ignoring time for a minute. Uh, I, I need to, I want to play with this idea at some stage that thing, everything in the universe, you know, because we've got, um, you know, matter, space, time, and things like this, um, yeah, energy levels in electrons and all that sort of stuff. Um, we've got photons of light. All these things, you know, um, they're all properties of the universe. And to we humans, they don't seem to uh, really be unifiable, you know. Like, you can't hold time in your hand. But you can hold a cricket ball in your hand. Uh, and there's a little part of you, I can't get my head around it, that kind of likes to imagine that all these properties of the universe are just building blocks. And that even time, for example, is just a building block. You know, just like matter is. And um, I, I just have this vague feeling that, you know, that would be a very um, elite uh, way of escaping our shockingly um, limited context, you know. You know, to imagine time is just a property and you can remove that and then suddenly I'm living in this, you know, I'm coexisting with Jesus and Aristotle, you know. And I look around and Jesus is not even there. <laughs> oh dear. But um, I think, you know, you know, mental note to self. Try and explore this one day. I'll probably forget. But um, I, uh, I really like that idea. You know, because I'm so used to some things having bad. You know, some things being more physical than other things. But what is this word physical? You know, it's just physical to us, I suppose. You know, like an electron. You know, the physical electron feels more physical to me. Um, than space, for example. But space is a property, I suppose, in God's mind at least. You know. um, 
ex's mind, if you've been listening to all my episodes, I believe in an algebraic God, you know. Um, you know, so, you know, is space, um, does it have a, a lower status as a thing in the universe than does an electron or a proton or a neutron, you know? We, 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 as humans, because we're made of matter, tend to think, I think, that things like um, golf balls and cars and everything are more uh, substantial, um, more consequential, uh, more interesting than, say, uh, space. You know, but space itself is something. You know, um, apparently, well, apparently, matter can warp space. You know, but you could turn that thinking around and say, is space giving rise to matter somehow? I don't know. That's getting beyond what I can. You know, beyond. I am not an elite thinker. You know, but I bet you there's some interesting things to be thought about on that level. Yeah, and is time. You know, is time sort of um, something that to to us humans um, feels like it starts over here and then ends over there? Um, but you know, could you almost look at time in another way and re- you know, and and just remove that property for a minute to have a better look at the universe? And suddenly, everything exists in the one sort of moment. Um, I can't get my head around that, you know what I mean? But, you know, theoretically that's possible, isn't it? That everybody who has ever lived has lived, you know, is coexisted, you know, if you remove the property of time. And then I imagine removing the property of space and then my head explodes. <laughs> you thought I was going to pursue that, uh, but I can't because my brain's not big enough. Yeah, but I think these are the games. The really smart people that, that are members of the... Um, the community of elite thinkers in history, and not just in a scientific sense, but in a theological sense and in a spiritual sense and all that, you know. There are people who think um, beyond, you know, at levels beyond that level which I can think. Okay. Uh, But anyway, two members of this community, Democrates, and Aristotle. All right. So these guys are um, of more consequence than me. I'm like a peasant, you know, a, a, a mental peasant. I'm an intellectual peasant. And these guys are thought royalty. Okay. And, um, and I'm looking at them. And they feed we peasants with ideas, you know, which we then claim we've come up with ourselves, you know, through careful reflection, you know. I have been on a search for years, all through my 20s and 30s and 40s. I, I um, contemplated the universe, and I have come up with a, a whole range of ideas that I am now planting in a podcast, and, uh, and uh, guess what, I probably didn't come up with any of them. I'm probably just parroting what these really smart people have said. Um, I'm probably parroting 
you know, um, John Locke. <laughs> I don't know why he came into my head, but Descartes, you know, and um, and obviously Little Richard, you know, the great thinkers of our of history, you know, um, John Wesley, the Buddha, you know, Jesus Christ, Aristotle. Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, and Alexander the Great, you know. <laughs> All the great thinkers. Seneca, you know, um, uh, who are great thinkers. Oh, I just, uh, actually, this is quite fun. Um, uh, now, we would have to throw uh, St. Augustine, you know. Um, some indigenous bloke, 40,000 years ago, but he didn't write anything down. Uh, and so on and so forth, you know. Anyway, two members of this elite community of thinkers... Uh, he did write it down. He he wrote it down in the minds of the indigenous people, and uh, and they passed it down through oral history. You know, um, okay, Democrates and Aristotelites. Um, so um, those guys. Now here am I, a peasant, an intellectual peasant, and I now know that Democrates got that thing right. You know what the component parts of the universe are, yeah, right enough anyway, down to an atomic level anyway, in the in this podcast I'm going down to a subatomic level, yeah, Democrates didn't go that far, um, or maybe he did, depending on how you read, interpret his writings, alright, now, um, but anyway, um, yeah, Democrates um, got it right in the end, there was um was it John Dalton? You know, I always forget. Um, but Dalton, who, you know, after we had been thousand, a thousand and so years, two thousand, oh, what was it? A thousand and, um, let's see, I work it out, I work it out later. I remember calculating it in the bit that's coming up. Um, yeah, he said, oh, hey, everybody, Aristotle was wrong on this one. It's actually, the world is made up of atoms after all. Oh, wow, said all the intellectual peasants. We knew that all along, you know. <laughs> no, you didn't. You've been saying earth, wind and fire all this time, you know, and water. Um, yeah, and we all say, oh, of course, you know, obviously it's atoms, you know. I, you know, if, if the whole world was saying earth, wind and fire and water, I would have said atoms, you know, because um, I've been having deep reflections, you know, um, and uh, I come up with these ideas all by myself, you know. But anyway, in the in the coming bit, um, I, I find myself um, having a bit of a laugh at Aristotle for getting it wrong. Yeah, but this is like a mental pygmy um, laugh, you know, considering, um, considering the thoughts of two men, two intellectual giants, Democrates and Aristotle, you know, and those two guys have a, um, a battle of who's right over the ages, over the centuries, over the millennia, and eventually Democrates comes out on top, and then a mental pygmy like me goes ha-ha, you know, at um, Aristotle for, being, for, for not getting it right. But the fact remains that I remain a mental pygmy, and Aristotle remains a giant, you know, in in in, in thought, in history, um, and the fact that he had a crack, you know, and got it wrong doesn't make him any less so. You know, 
sometimes these guys are having educated guesses on very limited um, evidence and some of their ideas are absolute genius you know um, there's a um, the periodic table by Mendeleev you know which arranges all the atoms look long after Dalton brought back the atom as an idea um, there's an absolute serious genius you know what a member of the elite community of thinkers who came up with an arrangement of um, all the possible arrangements of atoms you know which he called the periodic table oh look that's the one where you, you know that table in chemistry you know hydrogen helium lithium beryllium boron carbon nitrogen oxygen fluoride neon, neon sodium and then uh, you know I'm going through my mnemonic while I do that in my head and then I've got Maspis cap after that but I start to lose it again because it's been too long Maspis cap yeah Maspis cap um, what would that be magnesium aluminium you know I'll get them all like start, it all starts to fall apart after that SS might be sulfur or silicon you know p -p -p you know that might be um, potassium you know K uh, we use Latin for the letters, you know, so potassium, potassium is K, iron, for example, is Fe, you know, ferrous, ferrum, or whatever, ferrous Bueller's day off, you know. Okay, um, so, you know, and in the, in the big coming up, you know, sometimes I just talk about hours about the big coming up, and the big coming up ends up about two minutes, yeah, but there's no structure to this podcast. I speak, when I feel like speaking, and for as how long, for how long I feel like speaking, and then... Where, yeah, I, I follow um, the idea of Winston Churchill, um, who said, "Stand up, say what you've got to say, and then sit down." You know. Now, I, I actually um, subscribe to that sort of thinking, but what Churchill probably didn't um, anticipate was someone, a mental pygmy like me. He was a uh, he was a, uh, a military giant. Politically, well, a wartime politician, military giant, you know, inspired a nation. He's, I'll put him in the the community of elite people. Um, anyway, he didn't anticipate a mental pygmy standing up and having a lot to say. And then pretty much never sitting down because he hasn't finished yet. <laughs> you know, he needed to... Um, I think I think Winston Churchill didn't uh, put enough thought into that comment, you know, stand up, say what you've got to say, and then sit down again. He should have still put a time limit on, you know, for those people who, um, who think they've got more to say than they really do. <laughs> That's like me. Um, all right, so, um, yeah, so I have a crack at Aristotle, um, because we're funny like that, we pygmies, we peasants, we ignoramuses, we, you know, yeah. um, we, um, we, um, we throw, you know, we throw our giggling around, our chortling around, as if we have a right to, you know, when we're, uh, we're just parrots in a cage in the living room of some of a community, uh, hippie community, of um, elite thinkers, and the elite thinkers are having genuine thoughts in that living room, 
and we are just parrots in the cages that they've set up and we're going e equals mc squared e equals mc squared you know and thinking, of course it's e equals mc squared i thought so all along i thought so all along you know and all that sort of stuff you know democracy's got it right democracy's got it right you know and all that sort of stuff um and we're making fools of ourselves and i especially am making a fool of myself in what's coming up next uh, and what I like to do when I'm making a fool of myself is make sure I don't edit that out. You know, I want to, that to stand all for all time because everything I say is a work of great importance in my mind. And the reason for that is because I'm unaware that I'm a mental pygmy. You know, I'm a mental pygmy, but I'm unaware of it. You know? So theoretically, I should be going back through this podcast and editing all the stupid bits out, which would leave nothing. But am I doing that? No. Let's listen to what I've got to say. The natural sciences comprise physics, chemistry, and biology. Uh-uh. What more can I say? Oh, well, a lot more. sort of ended up using that other one to try and work out what physics was. Uh, what chemistry is um, compared to physics. What's, why are there two different disciplines, all un, uh, both under the same banner, science? And, uh, and why is there a, a separate one uh, beyond even those two? called biology why is that a separate discipline you know why aren't they all called science why split them up like that and put all the kids into different classrooms and I ended up sort of figuring out why Uh, and I'll get to that Um, and there are other sciences as well I'm going to pause this episode in a minute and look up science Uh, my zen in this podcast as a whole is to do no research I've said it many times Uh, and uh, and that works I'm on a walk at the moment if you can hear me puffing uh, right past the MCG Uh, I'm on my way to work and uh, and I go to Jollymont. I chat as I make these podcasts, by the way. Uh, so sometimes I feel that I need a bit of exercise. So instead of just catching the train straight through to Box Hill from Essendon, I jump off at Jollymont and walk through Richmond because it's a nice park. And it doesn't make that much difference in time. Then going around to Flinders Street and then, you know, changing trains and going um, through to Richmond and then on. All right. So uh, I don't mind those little interludes, you know, because I'm in no hurry. 
and I'm only making this podcast for myself anyway. Uh, all right, now, um, so, yeah, uh, three major disciplines under the heading science, and I think these are the three main ones, would surely be physics, chemistry, and biology. Okay, so, um, but there are, you know, science, and I need to look that up in a minute to find out what it is. Yeah, something to do with the scientific method and, you know, whether you are remove, you're working hard to remove your bias from the process of investigating something, you know, um, something to do with, uh, oh, walking right past Lee Matthews at the moment, the statue that is, um, it's gate four, ah, something to do with, uh, are you able to, um, look at evidence and then see what that sort of tells you rather than decide what answer you want in advance and then make the evidence fit with that. You know, science will be something to do with that, you know, and, um, and it'll be something to do with experiment. Can you, you know, it's not science, if uh, it's the case that you can't do an experiment and then hand over your methodology to someone else in that experiment and get them to do that experiment and guarantee that they'll get the same result. Guarantee within reasonable, you know, with reasonable certainty. Uh, you know, for example, um, you know, hand a person a jug of water and tell them to stare at it for half an hour and report back as to whether it's still a jug of water. Without without, um, anything unusual happening. Uh, Like, you know, somebody tipping it out. Um, all right, and whereas, you know, so we don't want um, people popping up and saying, well, there was one occasion when someone was staring at a jug of water once and it turned into wine. You know, we're talking about, yes, all right, that's possible. You know, but science, and science says, all right, it is possible that that happened. You know, we can't rule it out because we weren't there. Um, however, you know, science would say, I imagine, that, look all things being equal I'm reasonably certain that if I give you a jug of water and you stare at it for half an hour at room temperature you know assuming it hasn't evaporated um, or been tipped out uh, 30 minutes later you will still be staring at a jug of water you know that's an experiment you know something like that it's a pretty simple experiment but you know that'll do Okay, so that's what, you know, science is something like all of that. And, uh, uh, you know, I'll look it up soon. And, yeah, it, uh, the, the, you know, and, um, yeah, that's something to do with reproducibility. Can you reproduce 
the, uh, the experiment over and over and always get the same result with reasonable certainty, you know, like, um, you know, can you um, drive a car at 100 kilometres per hour for a distance of 100 kilometres and get there within an hour every time. Look, that might be self-referencing proof, I don't know. All right, but science is like that. You know, can you do an experiment? And over and over, you're going to get the same result unless Jesus is visiting. You know, that's what science is about. Um, Science might be about what happens if you don't invite Jesus to your wedding. How's that? All right, I've got a definition of science that works for me, and, and, it, and it's very respectful of the fact that Jesus could have turned water into wine once upon a time, you know. Um, and it's this. How does this sound? Science is what's going to happen if you carry out an experiment without inviting Jesus to your lab. That'll do. All right, now let's look up what science is for sure and then get back into this first episode of my new mini-series called Science. Uh, If I can find the off button, here it is. Alright, I used my train trip between Jollymont and Box Hill to pretty much just scan the Wikipedia entry on science to find out what it is, according to Wikipedia. It doesn't matter if you use Wikipedia if you know that whatever you read in there is according to Wikipedia. You know, as long as you know the context, you're fine. It's only when you read something and uh, read it as if it's true, true, that you're in in trouble. Um, And when you read something on Wikipedia, obviously you are reading uh, what some other human has put on there. So there is no danger in that as long as you keep in mind that it's just someone like you, uh, but uh, someone probably who knows a lot more about that thing than you do. So you're stepping up, you know, and that's the best you can do in this world. Uh, Look, you could do better. You could go and do a physics degree or a chemistry degree or a biology degree, but I don't have time for that. All right. Uh, So... um, So, science. Uh, Okay, it identified uh, three main current uh, different branches of science. Uh, The formal sciences. I'll be ignoring those. Oh, no, I won't. I will be using them, but I won't be calling them science. Yeah. the, Wikip- uh, the formal sciences are like logic and maths. You know, 
Um, and, they, and the Wikipedia entry said that uh, whether or not things like logic and maths are even a uh, science is controversial. Yeah, so that's my green light to call those things not science if I feel like it. Uh, I'll just call those things the tools with which we measure evidence for the purposes of science, you know. Uh, yeah, that'll do. I, I don't want to uh, dwell on such things too much. Okay, and I, I, I tend to associate mathematics in the formal sense, you know, formal, um, with kind of the Babylonians and all that sort of stuff, you know, in the back of my mind. It's probably a highly biased view. Um, yeah. And then... Um, and then um, I, I tend, and the Indians too, yeah, and the Egyptians, you know, measuring the old pyramids and all that sort of stuff. And then uh, the Greeks picking up on all that and inventing modern science, which I'll get to. Look, modern science has been, you know, slowly evolved and is still evolving. So, you know, no one party has invented modern science, but the Greeks seem to have been a huge hinge moment, you know, a turning point. Uh, the Greeks of antiquity, you know. The, um, right. Uh, so, mathematics I tend to associate with all oh, the Indians, the Babylonians and all that sort of stuff, you know what I mean? Um, and, and the Egyptians, you know, that whole area. Mesopotamia. Um, yeah. And that's not just because I just read it, but I do, you know. Uh, I don't know whether you do too, you know, just because you just read something. Look, you can just read something, you know. You can go to a dinner party and someone says, oh, you know, oh, Mount Everest, very exciting place, you know. And you can rush off to the toilet and go and read the Wikipedia entry on um, Mount Everest and come back to the dinner table after washing your hands, I hope, but not washing your mind by the look of it, and, uh, and wax lyrical about every, all the stuff that you've always known about Mount Everest. Now, there is a lot of that going on in the world. Um, <laughs> I don't know if anyone does that, actually, but I'm sure they do. Uh, right. Um, but... Um, Oh, excuse me, I just saw someone I know. Oh, that was lucky. Uh, someone was walking past me just now, who I know, uh, from a previous job. And I couldn't be bothered striking up a conversation with that person, even though she's lovely. Uh, well, I'm in the middle of a, an episode on science. Okay, I'm heading towards Box Hill Hospital from Box Hill Train Station at the moment. Um... Okay, so, and I tend to associate logic with the Greeks, uh, largely. Yeah, formalised logic, you know, with mathematics, you know, everybody's had mathematics. Um, you know, uh, every culture is able to say, oh, my piece of land is bigger than yours, you know. That's, you know, my tribal hunting grounds are bigger than yours and all that sort of stuff. Every culture can do that, so every culture does maths in its head you know, I'm not saying that you know, the Babylonians or the Indians or whatever had a uh, monopoly on mathematics you know, everyone can say you know, I've got six kids in my family and you've got four 
you know. So I've got, you know, one and a half times more kids, one and a half times the number of kids you've got, you know, something like that. Everyone's had maths in history, but I'm talking about formalised mathematics, writing equations and all those sorts of things. And I always imagine the Romans, surely with their numbering system, must have been a bit hamstrung uh, by not using a decimal system or actually, uh, yeah, not, not arranging things. In, well, they did have a, did they have a decimal system? I suppose they did, didn't they? Um, but by not having numerals the way... Uh, now, where did numerals come from? I think they came from Babylon and maybe from there they came across from India. I, can't, I really don't know. And it doesn't matter for the purposes of what I'm... You know, this is not a... This is a podcast. It's not a degree in mathematics. Um, it's not an academic work, this one. Nothing, nothing I do is an academic work. Um, but anyway, you know, when you, even when you do long division, can you imagine doing that with Roman numerals? Uh, all right. Leaving, putting that aside. Uh, next. Um, so, yet logic I tend to associate with the Greeks. Um, from reading the Wikipedia page just now, um, what the, you know, the uh, Greeks were quite happy to take um, tools for thinking off other cultures, you know, such as mathematics or alphabets or gods even. You know, I think a lot of Greek gods seem to emanate from Egypt. Uh, the Greeks seem to have been very, uh, very uh, ready to take, to pick up tools of the trade uh, of thinking from, you know, and the language of thinking from other cultures. But they seem to have, uh, and I'm a little bit of a Hellenophile or a Philhellene, um, in as much as I've married Greeks and everything, so, you know, disclaim my bias. But, um, but you know, look, I was into stuff Greek before I met them. In fact, that's probably why I even went hunting like a caveman for a Greek girl. Uh, but, um, a wog girl, you know, um, that's acceptable. Uh, oh, you haven't heard my episodes on, uh, the, uh, the evolution of the word wog in Australia. Uh, but let's just put it this way. Yeah, this is a real digression, isn't it? Nick Giannopoulos, uh, from Australia, uh, he copyrighted the word wog, and other people are trying to use it because it's such a uh, desirable term in Australia now, and uh, he's trying to stop them using it. He says, it's my word, yeah. for the purposes of comedy and arts and all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, and there is a very strong culture in Australia now that you know, everyone wants to be a wog. Well, no, they don't, but a lot of people do like me, you know. Uh, so, uh, but that's a digression. All right, so, um, and I, I think that's not the case in other countries with words that were previously derogatory. You know, not many uh, minority groups in other countries have managed to flip the derogatory words that once applied to them and turned them into desirable words. Uh, but, you know, the Greeks... 
in Australia seem to have. And uh, I think, you know, and the Italians and the Lebanese and all that sort of stuff have picked up on that and they're using it too. And to a certain extent, you know, Nick Giannopoulos uh, kind of was at the forefront of all that. He picked up a few ideas for that, he said, uh, in, um, from the TV show Kingswood Country. Yeah, so some of these things can happen by accident and evolution, uh, but Nick Giannopoulos, I, I, rec- I credit him with really mainstreaming the word. Right, but you know, speaking of the wogs, um, yes, the Greeks, uh, they were happy to borrow all these tools of thinking from other lands. And uh, yeah, and this is the genius of the West in general, often is that we're just happy to borrow or take. No, we're not, we don't borrow, we steal, you know. So um, we're happy to, happy to borrow ideas. You know, look, how many ideas have we borrowed from the Indians in Western culture, you know, through the 60s, 1960s and all that, from India and made it our own? And people say, oh, well, that's not your ideas. They're, you know, you have to acknowledge. India came up with hippieism, you know, yoga and all that, which is so huge in Western culture now, you know. The hippies, you know, India, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, but we don't really care. We steal things. And that's, that's our genius. It's not about who invented yeah, systematic mathematics or anything like that so much. Um, it's what you do with it. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, the, the genius of um, the Greeks, for example, and, you know, we all follow them to a large extent because Rome followed them in thinking... Not in everything. You know, the Romans, Romans followed themselves in certain matters, uh, certain areas in which they were geniuses, like um, administration and uh, engineering and power. You know, <laughs> they, they understood power, the Romans, so they didn't need the Greeks to teach them that stuff. Uh, but they very much did consciously defer to the Greeks in what what you might call knowledge, arts, the sciences, logic and all that sort of stuff as it was understood back then. Right. Anyway, so the Greeks were very happy to, uh, as far as I can tell, take the tools of um, trades of thinking from other cultures like the Egyptians, you know, with all the Egyptian gods and... Um, and mathematics and uh, and uh, no, script, alphabets, all that sort of stuff from other lands um, and make it their own. Uh, but as I say, it's what you do with it. And it's what the Greeks... You know, that's, that's like learning languages from another place. But then using those languages to create new thinking. And uh, a very major type of new thinking the Greeks seems, seem to have done was to you know, bring about logic. You know? And along with that, grammar, you know, formalised grammar, formalised grammar, which is extremely important, formalised grammar, because formalised grammar is actually just language version of logic. You know, mathematical logic, if you like. There's mathematics in grammar, and the Greeks were very conscious of that. It's about being conscious of how you're thinking rather than just thinking something. It's about, and I think this starts to hit at what science is, 
um, in ancient cultures, science was more about how much you knew. But it really didn't matter how you came about that knowledge. You know, you weren't conscious of why you knew and how you knew. And it didn't matter. There wasn't a distinction. And that word distinction is something I just read in that Wikipedia page. Um, but there wasn't that separation. You know, separation is huge in modern science. In modern, especially Western culture, separation of church and state. You know what I mean? Even, in between, even between religion and politics. You know what I mean? Separation is huge. And the Greeks seem to have been at the forefront of all of that. And uh, you, you might think differently. But, you know in ancient indigenous cultures all over the world, for example, um, I would imagine that, um, you know, you might say, oh, the, you know, oh, well, in, well, I mean, Australia. So indigenous Australians um, did a form of aquaculture, you know, which is kind of agricultural science. Um, in uh, northwestern Victoria, I think, up, up the Grampians. Um, and, you know, you can say... Um, all right, so they were into science. And, of course, they were. They were into mathematics, too. You know, um, indigenous people knew that um, to get from, uh, you know, to get across, um, to, you know, uh, to climb Uluru was a higher climb than to climb a tree. They knew that. That's mathematics, you know, so they had mathematics, obviously. Um, but it's, um, it's this business of separation that we hold dear to the idea of modern science and that is um, you know an indigenous person wouldn't have made and tell me I'm wrong a distinction between the science that went into aquaculture in the Grampians uh, which is pretty advanced by the look of it by trial and error you know a lot of science is about trial and error Um, and their knowledge of you know their mythologies like the rainbow snake and all that sort of stuff uh, those two types of knowledge would have been equivalent and you were um, and um, it really didn't matter how you knew about those things you know um, aquaculture as developed by the indigenous people in the Grampians would have been by trial and error physically in the natural universe Whereas, you know, their mythologies around the rainbow snake or anything else um, would have been just because, you know, their ancestors, you know, their, the grown-ups had taught them that when they were young and they didn't question how their grown-ups knew that. Um, where, you know, but where the Greeks made a break, I think, on behalf of the world was they made a, a distinction between the two. You know, and Aristotle, I think it was, and this is, you know, 2,300 years ago, said, um, I think man might have made gods <laughs> rather than gods made man, you know. And, um, and right there is the kind of break. And, you know, and then Aristotle you know, and all the people around him, you know, the pre-Socratean uh, philosophers, you know, um, right, you know, but especially with Socrates, you know, Socrates makes the break. Um, you know, and then Plato and Aristotle and then on and on and on it goes right through to the current day um, and, and through all that period um, the Greeks well obviously they used the tools of other cultures which they stole you know, or admired you know, with acknowledgement quite possibly or 
possibly not. We humans don't like to acknowledge. It really doesn't matter. Um, and use those tools to do new thinking. And that, that new thinking, I think, is a huge... You know, the Greeks uh, do stand out in history for having been a hinge moment in history on this level. Um, both in philosophy and science, you know, they used the gods and they used the mathematics and they used everything else and they said, listen, we're going to just kind of start to split off here and say there is such a thing as called, that's called the natural sciences and whilst we study those things, we'll ignore Zeus and all our other mythologies and all that sort of stuff, you know, our hocus-pocus, if you like, you know, and um, not, not saying that those things are bad, you know, we're still going to follow all those things, but um, we'll put them aside whilst we're doing science and um, that's, we'll, we'll, we'll call them different types of knowledge. There's the difference. You know, so science is a different type of knowledge. But in ancient cultures, um, your belief in God, for example, or rainbow snakes or whatever, um, was the same sort of knowledge. There was no differentiation, no distinction. It was the same sort of knowledge as was your knowledge of how many children you had in your family compared to how many children someone else had in their family. You know, the logic of one plus one equals two was was knowledge that was um, of equivalent value, if you like. Well, it was just as, you know, true in the same way um, as, you know, one plus one equals two was... was the same sort of knowledge as uh, God loves me, that sort of thing. Um, you know, and, and some people call that a beautiful and pure faith, um, which is true. You know, it can be, you know, obviously, yeah, it can be. Um, but what the Greeks did, yeah, look, an iPhone, the invention of an iPhone, uh, would probably never come from thinking like that. Look, it, it might be a better way of thinking, you know, um, that sort of thing, you know, that um, uh, that the knowledge about aquaculture in the Grampians is um, the same sort of knowledge as the knowledge of the rainbow snake having... having um, what did the rainbow snake do, you know? Uh created things on the earth like wombats or humans or whatever you know it might be the same sort of knowledge um to an indigenous person that might be a better way of thinking you know and and might well have not caused might might well have avoided uh the current climate crisis for example so it might be a better way of thinking um this is not about which is the better way of thinking i'm not saying science is better than pure faith yeah, in that sense, I'm just saying this is a podcast about science, so I better find out what it is. And in the modern world, science is the child of that Greek thinking, largely. Uh, that you know, modern science is putting aside gods and all that sort of stuff. You know, um, making a dif- making a distinction between, um, and I use this carefully, uh, belief and knowledge. But look not really that you know because knowledge is a tricky subject in and of itself in philosophy but just saying listen we're going to um we're going to separate all the different types of knowledge we've got into different categories and 
we're going to have one category of knowledge that is based on experiment and all that sort of thing, and we'll call that science. And any knowledge you've got about the gods or anything like that, we're going to call that a different type of knowledge. Now, you, you know, say, says the Greeks or the scientists, the modern scientists, um, you can say they're the same sort of knowledge and that God is just as true as one plus one equals two. You know, you can make no distinction about that, but you'll probably never invent an iPhone whilst you're thinking like that. So, listen, for better or worse, you know, maybe your way of thinking is better. Um, you know, it might keep you more in harmony with the environment if you think like the way you do. Um, but we, for better or worse, probably worse, will probably destroy the environment the way we think because we invent too many things when we think like this. We are going to say they're different types of knowledge. Yeah. In, in, in short, we are going to go with heresy, deliberate heresy, and say that uh, a knowledge of God for example, is a different type of knowledge to um, the knowledge that went in to you, indigenous people, creating an aquaculture in the Grampians. You know, we're going to say they're two different types of knowledge and, um, and, and there it is, you know. So um, that's modern science. So we're getting there. Um, so look back to the Wikipedia page. So we have split it even further. You know, like even once you put the gods aside and all that sort of stuff um, and uh, just concentrate on um, things that can be proven, you know, small p proven using the tools that I mentioned, such as, you know, did arise uh, seemingly from what they call the Near East and all that, Egypt and Babylon and, and then across to India and all that sort of stuff, and probably China, I don't know. Um, that form, you know, using those formal tools, uh, such as formalised language, like alphabets and all that sort of stuff, and uh, formalised mathematics, um, uh, to, uh, yeah, we're going to split that off as, um, yeah, I lost my train of thought there, but you know what I'm saying. Okay. Anyway, we're going to separate from the gods. We're going to have two different categories of knowledge. But in the category of knowledge that we will call the non-god stuff, you know, the stuff that can be derived by experiment and all that sort of thing, um, or logic, uh, in that category, we're going to split it up even further. And that's where we've got to by the 21st century. And one split off is uh, what, uh, you know, this is where we've got to. We might get further down the track, but at the moment we've got what's called the formal scientists, sciences, which is maths and logic and something else. I forget what it was. Okay. Oh, it was to do with computer science. And um, speaking of which, I better get into work because that's my job. Um, uh, so um, the formal sciences, which are controversial, it's controversial as to whether they even are a science, uh, because they might be more a language of science, you know. And I'm inclined to say, yes, I'm going to go with that. So I will be talking about those things uh, because I need them uh, to talk about the other kind of science that I'm about to mention. Okay, so that's formal sciences, maths, logic, and computer systems, you know. Computer logic, if you like. Okay, formal sciences. I'll... Um, uh, we will just use those but not really focus on them 
Okay, now the next one is what's called the social sciences. Psychology, um, economics, and social, uh, uh, something to do with the way community, you know, communities, communities um, behave. Okay. So groups, you know. Um, all right, you know, politics, you know. I think a lot of that came out of um, the Greeks too. Politics, you know, formal. You know, the science of these things is where you, science is about formalising these things. Measuring, taking stats, you know. Um, psychology, I imagine, would be formal, you know. And um, psychology would say that, you know, maybe, you know, 3% of people are psychopaths. You're just born psychopaths or something. I, I don't know anything about psychology. I'm just taking a guess. But, you know, they would start to put figures on it. They would measure how many psychopaths there are in the community and across communities all over the world, not just in your local community. You know, it has to transfer from community to community and all that sort of stuff. And they would measure, 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 you know. So the social sciences would be about measuring things. Now, it's not all that empirical. You know, you can't, um, you can't measure things... Um, such that, you know, you can predict the next baby is going to be a psychopath or not. Yeah, as far as I know. Um, It's more statistical measurement, you know. What are the odds? You know, that sort of thing. Okay, so they're the social sciences. Like, economics is a social science. And even the greatest economists in the world don't know when the next crash is coming. They try and predict it. They try and guess, you know. And they try and model... Uh, but it's not empirical in the same way that if an apple falls from the tree, from a tree, um, you can predict how long it's going to how long it's going to be before it hits the ground. That's a whole other story. You know what I mean? You don't need to measure four thousand apples falling from a tree um, and slowly work out the likelihood that it's going to land after you know one point three four seven seconds. Um, you only need, uh, you know, you know, you only need a physicist like Newton to come along and work out logically how uh, what a rule of nature around that is, and um, and it's not based on experiment after experiment, so to speak, but you know the natural properties of the universe, you know, like gravity, you know, once you find out what gravity is, you can apply that to everything that falls, you know, things like that. Okay, so the social sciences seem to be statistics-based. They are still sciences. They are still sciences. Um, There's a science to economics and a science to psychology and a science to whatever the other one was that I read in the Wikipedia page, which I forget. Um, But... It's very statistical by nature, and they seem to be, you know, and almost, almost to do with the way humans behave, you know. So I, I imagine that the social sciences are the sorts of things that if all living things in the universe, you know, all humans and animals and all that sort of stuff disappeared, the social sciences would disappear, you know. Which brings me to the only type of science that I'm really going to focus on. Yeah, so I'm going to have to change the heading 
to reflect this, you know, because I am uh, initially I imagine I was thinking of just calling this series science. I was going to call it science, but I'm, I'm, I only I want to only focus on a narrow field of science, uh, not as narrow as physics, you know, which was my previous mini series. That was a very narrow focus that I had. Um, but I still want to have a narrow focus. That doesn't mean I'm ignoring the social sciences and all that sort of stuff. Or God, for that matter. I've done plenty of episodes in my overall sets of podcasts on God and gods, you know, and indigenous belief systems and all this sort of stuff. I've done, you know, it's just that this miniseries, there's more power in a miniseries if it deliberately stays narrow. Yeah. Um, whilst still mentioning the other things, of course, you know, because I've already mentioned God a fair few times in this episode, you can still discuss a narrow field of inquiry powerfully uh, without uh, without ignoring everything else. You know? Sometimes those other things actually give your uh, investigation even more power by way of contradistinction, you know, you say, well, you know, I'm studying, um, I'm studying the natural sciences, for example. That's what uh, this last category is going to be, by the way. That was a spoiler alert. Natural science. I'm going to study natural science. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to ignore the fact that mythologies exist amongst people. In fact, I will sometimes um, chat about those just to um, make my study stand out in relief even more clearly you know God mentioning God occasionally can make can make the study of formal science even more clear you know because you get to say it's not that you know by saying what something is not sometimes makes clearer what it is, yeah. So I will mention all these other things. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for example, when I talk about physics, for example, I'll say it's not psychology; it's physics. Yeah, yeah. Um, the natural sciences. All right, that brings us to our last category, and that's what this, the that's what the subject of this mini series is going to be about, and that is the narrow category of overall science called. The natural sciences. And these are the... This is the that area of science that theoretically, as far as we know, exists... Existed even before we humans came along. You know, the social sciences didn't. Okay, so the natural sciences are... Uh, uh, have got a special status, you know. You know arguably the gods, even, you know, didn't exist before life forms existed, you know, before life sort of popped into the universe, however that happened. Arguably, I'm not saying definitely, arguably, the gods didn't exist before life forms existed in this universe, and especially humans as far as we know. Um, So the natural sciences are, uh, are quite sublime in a way because we sort of say they... um, you know, as far as we know, they did exist even before we did, before we humans did. 
and before animals did and before thinking things existed natural science existed before them so these are a special category and this is the genius of i think the greeks and then after that the you know the western world you know after the romans picked up on greek thinking and and spread it worldwide and then um there was a special period where the Ro- the western roman empire fell and the east you know islam and all that um picked up on greek thinking in particular and added more you know in the same way that the greeks added something to ancient um egyptian gods and thinking and philosophy and in the same way the greeks added something huge to the ancient tools of mathematics and so on by the babylonians you know, and created what we understand to be logic you know um, and all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, Greek philosophy, um, specifically, as distinct from Indian philosophy and all that sort of stuff. Um, Islam, the Islamic world, added something too. You know, um, and I'm not only talking about algebra. <laughs> I believe algebra emanated from that period um, by someone whose name resembles algebra. You know, Al-Gharib or something. You know, I can't remember his name. Okay, you know, some Islamic guy. Um, you know, who formalised that. Okay. Um, so the natural sciences... Um, and and they, they have gone bang worldwide. You know, everyone's doing it now. From China you know, to Kenya. Uh, and from India to Australia. And from the Americas um, to Iceland. You know, everyone's into saying, all right... We'll go along with that idea um, that we can um, call the natural, you know, have a thing called the natural sciences, which is a certain type of knowledge that is different from, and possibly a subset of, but a different from our knowledge of, for example, a rainbow snake or Allah or God or anything. It's a different type of knowledge, you know. We can empirically measure it, you know, and that sort of thing. It's not controversial. You know, Pythagoras's law, for example, if I just talk maths for a second, is not controversial. You could say God invented Pythagoras's law by all means, but it's a different type of knowledge in that it's not controversial, you know, because if you think Allah invented Pythagoras's law... Well, that's massively controversial, you know, because all indigenous, nearly all indigenous Australians will say bull dust, you know. And the rainbow snake did, you know. And, uh, you know, and the atheists will say, no, it's um, just a random property of the universe, you know, something like that, you know. But it's controversial. But Pythagoras' law itself is not controversial. So um, it's, it's a, a different category of knowledge. An uncontroversial category of knowledge, if you like. Massively uncontroversial. You'll always get a, psych- uh, a psychopath or a nut job who'll say, I don't believe in Pythagoras' law. Yeah, you can get that, but you, you, we, we like to ignore the 3%. This episode will be ignoring the 3%. Who may well be proved to be right in the final analysis? <laughs> I doubt it, but they might be. We can just ignore it. Okay. Um, so this mini-series is now going to be called 
the natural sciences. Okay, so I've narrowed it down a bit. From what science used to be. Look, science used to be everything. Science used to be something about knowledge back in ancient, ancient times before the Greeks. Okay, science was how much knowledge you had. Um, do you have a knowledge of Zeus? Okay. Do you have a knowledge of one plus one equals two? Okay. There's no difference within that, between those different types of knowledge. Um, and indigenous Australians, I'm sure it was the same, you know. Do you have a knowledge of um, how much higher Uluru is compared to how high um, a, uh, a gum tree is? And they say, yeah, look, it's about 100 times as high. All right, you have, that's the kind of knowledge that you've got. You know, that's a scientific knowledge. An Indigenous person might then ask, have you got a knowledge of our local mythologies? Um, you know, around the rainbow snake or anything. I always use the rainbow snake. It's, the, it's, it's colourful, so I like it. Um, do you have a knowledge of the rainbow snake and our origin stories and all this sort of stuff? And, you know, Indigenous kid says, yeah, I've got knowledge of that too. And they said, well, that's, you know, equivalent. It's the same sort of knowledge, Right. It's, uh, this, is our, this is how pure our faith is. In fact, they don't even point out it's how, that it's a pure faith. They don't even question it. It's, it's the same type of knowledge, unquestioned. Unquestioned. And that's a very hard thing for us to get our head around, the fact that those two types of knowledge could be the same type of knowledge. Yeah. Now that we know, now that the Greeks have taught us that they're that they can be thought of in two different ways, you know. We can't go back to that pure faith way of thinking where a knowledge of God is equivalent to a knowledge of one plus one equals two, you know. Even the most devout Christians, for example, know that according to other people, not themselves, that um, these are not equivalent types of knowledge. Even the most devout Christians who do think that God is as self-evidently true as one plus one equals two they know that for themselves but they've got this niggling little problem where they know that there does exist billion a billion people on earth that um make a distinction between the two different types of knowledge on their behalf and that niggling knowledge that other people disagree with them um pollutes the purity of their faith. Can you imagine going back to a time when it hadn't even occurred to anybody that these were two different types of knowledge, that one plus one equals two and that God exists? Yeah. The purity of that faith back then, I don't think anyone on earth has got any more. Not because their personal faith isn't pure, but because they know that other people haven't got that faith and that is a niggling problem. Just knowing that other people don't believe this to be true. You know, to get absolute pure faith, you have to not even be aware that anyone else, it has, it has to have not even been questioned yet. It's an amazing purity of faith, you know. And uh, I find it hard to get myself back into that frame of mind. You'd almost have to un- unknow everything we know. You know, about uh, you'd have to under the Greeks have polluted us, you know, with respect to that pure type of faith. No one's got pure faith anymore, as far as I know. No one who has come into contact with the internet or the mainstream world, anyway. Okay, so wrapping wrapping it up soon. Um, but this mini series is going to be on the natural sciences. We're going to ignore by and large, the social sciences, although, of course, mention them sometimes, as I already have. 
and we're not going to be studying the formal sciences. That's maths, logic, and uh, the other one. Oh, computer science. <laughs> I should remember that one because that's my job. Um, yeah. We're not going to ignore those things. We're just going to use them. You know, we're going to be like the Greeks and just use them. Yeah. Um, as our language for studying the, la- the, the sort of science we're going to study. And that is the formal sciences. And that is, without further ado, without further ado, and I mentioned it right back at the start, physics, chemistry, biology, and any other kind of natural science that hasn't occurred to me yet, and which was not mentioned in that Wikipedia page. (laughs) Okay, so the natural sciences, physics, chemistry, and biology. And with that, I'll just mention that once you have investigated physics, chemistry, and biology, you can apply those sciences to any number of practical purposes. Practical purpose, you know. Physics, chemistry, and biology just exist as fundamental uh, kinds of sciences that you can measure. You know, you can measure... Um, the speed with which an apple falls from a tree um, after f- uh, as it hits the ground. Um, you know, these are fundamental sort of natural sciences, physics, chemistry and biology, but then you can apply those to any number of practical purposes and uh, we may end up chatting to those occasionally by the by, but this, uh, this mini-series is not about those either. Um, and uh, I forget what um, just give me a second what did they mention as oh engineering and medicine I just went for the first time in this whole uh, episode uh, I have just gone back to the screen where that I was reading and and all right here we go I'll just read that one paragraph that says everything I have said, but in a much briefer way, obviously. Modern science is typically divided into three major branches that consist of the natural sciences, e.g. biology, chemistry, and physics. Okay, that's what this mini-series is going to be about. And it said e.g., so there must be others, huh? Uh, which study nature in, an, in the broadest sense. Yeah, I would say, you know, fundamental, you know, they're the fundamental sciences as it were okay for me um right modern science is typically divided into three major branches the natural sciences all right we've mentioned those that's what this one is about the formal sciences and the social sciences um and then at the end of that it says disciplines that use existing scientific knowledge for practical purposes such as engineering and medicine are described as applied sciences and that will do that was my introduction to this mini series called the natural sciences and if you were trying to get to sleep i hope it did a good job